Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning. So glad to be here. I love this church so much. Hearing G and Amber's story is amazing. Um, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned, watching um, our sister Anne and brother Sam this morning worship the Lord, standing with arms high, hearts abandoned. It's what it's all about, right? They had a very hard last month. Um, Anne lost her husband. Sam lost his father. Feeling a little emotional this morning, which is not like me. <laughs> But that's what we do. Sometimes we just stand. That's all God asks us to do. We stand and we worship. We worship in the hard times. We worship in the good times. We worship him through it all. So watching you this morning blessed me so much. Thank you. Hearing Amber and G's story, um, I heard this, this last week someone say that when we tell our God stories, we're treading on holy ground. And so I just love hearing people's God stories because we, we get to know God just a little bit better by hearing everybody else's stories, right? Because they're all different. God is so amazing. He comes to each of us so uniquely, so intimately, and we get different facets of him by hearing um, other people's stories. So this morning, we're going to be treading on some more holy ground because I'm going to share one of my personal favorite God stories of my life. As we talk about, I'll pray and I'll love from the sending. Two small little words, right? <laughs> I'll pray and I'll love. And I just thought, the magnitude of these two words, where do I even begin with this? And as I prayed and asked the Lord, where do you want me to go? with? Because you could go so many different ways. I felt him saying to me, start at the beginning. Go back to the first commandment. And the first commandment is in Matthew 22, 36 through 39. And it says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is our baseline. This is where everything comes from, right? And if I'm loving the Lord God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, then my prayer and my love flows out of that place. And how do we love God? We love him because he first loved us, right? And a verse I've been thinking about this week is, she loved much because she's forgiven much. We've all been forgiven to endless degrees. The older I get and the more that God reveals my sin to me and the depths of my depravity, I realize how much I'm forgiven. We're all in that same place. But it's God who comes in and shows you that, right? He shows you how much you've been forgiven. And what that does is make me go to my knees in, in gratitude for what Jesus did for me. He loves me that much. He forgives me that much. 
and therefore I love him back out of that place. So this morning I'm going to ask a series of questions instead of giving points. Um, First question, how do we pray? Right? How should we pray? And if I'm loving the Lord God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind, then the conversation comes out of that relationship, right? And I'm going to tell you a story about how God challenged me into different kind of relationship with him and how God challenged me to pray differently. And we were, this was about 18 years ago. We were new to Colorado, um, and I was seeking some, some time to exercise, some time, quality time with the Lord. So I thought, okay, how do I do both of these things? What better place to go than Garden of the Gods? So I got up, went to Garden of the Gods, and it was just the absolute glorious Colorado day. The sky was blue, a few tiny dotted white clouds um, against the backdrop of those amazing, beautiful red rock formations. And I got there, and the signs are up saying, you know, watch out for the bear and watch out for the, the mountain lion. And I, I'm, I'm alone, so I'm thinking, you know, I, I think I'm just going to stick to the, the main path here. I'm not going to venture off. A little too scary for a, a new person in Colorado. And uh, the, the pavement, the sun was so bright and so intense, the pavement was just reflecting up at me like a thousand diamonds had been thrown all over the ground. And this, there was just a slight breeze, and it, the clay, the smell of the red clay and the pine needles was in the air. It was just the perfect day. And in that moment, I was a little bit sad because I thought, this is so amazing. I would love to just share this with someone. I wish someone was here with me. But there was no one. I was by myself. And I, I felt the Lord say, I'm here. Walk with me. Well, for a while I'd been feeling like he was calling me into a different relationship. I felt like he'd been calling me to make him my best friend. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll walk with you, I'll talk with you. But that tapped into a deep source of pain in my life because my best friend moved when I was 12. And... Shouldn't have been as big of a deal as it was, but for me it was, was a radical, radical grief. And she moved right before middle school. And uh, I went into middle school best friendless and alone. And I know for most of us, middle school was not the best, best years, was it? So in all those years, I've been hoping that God would replace someone in my life into that relational void. And just no one ever seemed to come along that that fit into that like she did. But here was God that day saying, come, walk with me. I want to be your best friend. And so I did. And so I walked and I talked with him. And it was a different kind of prayer. I prayed out loud. I was just talking to him like I would a friend. As I went along, my day, my life, you know, different people, situations, just talking. And then I got so caught up in it that all of a sudden I just blurted out and I said, So how's Jennifer? Well, Jennifer was a good friend of mine from high school who had taken a very different path in life than I had. um, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time with four kids. 
She was getting her doctorate degree in Africa for anthropology, and she was living in Africa. So we couldn't have had more different lives, and I hadn't touched base with her for about two years. And so in that moment, like I would with a friend, right? We're walking along, and we have a mutual friend. I would say, hey, how's so-and-so? How's Bob? And you might say, we'd talk, you know, how Bob's doing and catching up. Anyway, so I said that to the Lord. So how's Jennifer? And then there was just silence. And in that silence, this grief just washed over me. And I said to him, I don't know how to be best friends with someone I can't touch, who I can't see, and who I can't audibly hear. So I know you're asking me to do this, but I don't know how to get there. And my, my resolution in that moment was that in this dry, dry and weary land, there's only so much of God to be had. And I was groaning. The Bible says that, that all creation is groaning in our physical separation from Jesus. And I felt that groaning in the moment. And grief washed over me. So question number two Why does the Lord allow loneliness and certain relational voids into our lives? Because we all have them, right? We're human. It's part of the human condition is a loneliness. We all desire to be known. He wants to fill those relational voids, but how? How do we get there? That's the question I was asking. So I'm going to have some quotes this morning from Henry Nouwen, renowned theologian. He um, knew God, he knew intimacy with God, and he wrote a lot about it. So the first slide is up here. He says, as Christians, we are called to convert our loneliness into solitude. We are called to experience our aloneness not as a wound, but as a gift, as God's gift, so that in our aloneness we might discover how deeply we are loved by God. Loneliness is a gift? Huh. Doesn't feel like a gift, does it? So question number three, how can we have intimate relationship with someone we can't see, touch, or audibly hear? In any relationship, intimacy comes through quality time, and it also goes, comes through quantity of time. And we see, we see Jesus living this out, right? He, he walks with God, he talks with God the Father um, as he's going about his life, but he also goes away, he goes away into the solitude to pray. And the Bible says pray without ceasing. Have you ever wondered about that? Like, how do I pray without ceasing? This seems absolutely impossible. And I think we can look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I think it gives us insight into how to do that. Um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's a lot to be anxious about in this world, right? It's overwhelming. 
constant, constant anxiety coming. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. Everything. And some of the things we're anxious about are so small, right? They're so, I would say they're dumb, the things that I'm anxious about. I'm anxious on the tennis court when I'm playing and I'm, I'm praying, God, help me, help me win this next point. Like, in the big scheme of things, that's so small, but I'm anxious about it. <laughs> Give him everything. He wants everything. Every angst, every worry, every confusion, every question, every slight, every hurt, every problem, every uncertainty, every realization that the world isn't the way it's supposed to be, every thanks, every praise, Every funny thing he knows, he sees, he cares. Tell him about it, share it with him all. He wants to be invited into it. And I find myself on the tennis court that he'll, he'll answer my prayer and help, help me do well in a point, and I'll forget, I'm on to the next one. Okay, help me now. And I forget to thank him. Thank you, Lord, thank you. It says, with thanksgiving, and then what happens? Peace. Peace. It's, it's possible. Peace is possible in this crazy world. But the quantity of time as I'm going about my business, as my going about my life, my business, does not substitute for the quality time that we need to spend with the Lord. And once again, Jesus is our example. He says in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. God rewards us. It's amazing. But what I realize is that the main way he rewards us is with himself. He comes the Bible says, seek and you will find. It's a promise. If you go, if you meet him in the solitude, he will come. Jesus modeled this. And I'm going to give you an illustration to kind of make this. So have you ever fasted? Like for more than a day or two? I fasted many days and I fasted a few times for a couple of days. But um, this last spring, a, a woman in my small group came in, and she was so excited. She's like, I just did a five-day fast. It was so amazing. And I immediately was like, oh, no, God, are you going to ask me to do this? <laughs> like, so I, I asked him, and sure enough, I felt like he was calling me to do it. And I'm like, oh, sounds awful. <laughs> So I went in with a lot of trepidation. I also went in with um, expectation because I know anytime God asks us to do something hard, that there's going to be fruit from it too. So I kind of asked people, I did a little research on it before I started about their experiences. And a few people told me that day three is the hardest, but day four and five, I felt invincible. And I thought, that's pretty cool. I want to feel invincible. Well... I personally did not feel invincible on day four and five. <laughs> in fact, I felt really weak. 
Um, and not just weak spiritually, I felt weak. I, not just weak physically, I felt weak spiritually, emotionally, mentally. I cried a lot, which again, really isn't, I don't normally cry a lot. Um, but I just felt so broken down, and my heart, my heart did soften. I felt that. Someone also said to me that they felt God come closer than he's ever been on day five, and I thought, well, that's cool. That's worth it, you know. Well, I also did not feel that. I did not feel particularly close to God through the whole thing, so... Um, I realized how much I like to eat, which I already knew that, but, but <laughs> I really looked forward to that dinner, and so I was sad when I didn't get to have that. But um, I think the main thing as I process it, and I'm still you know, processing it, but the main thing that I got from it is, you know, and I've always known that Jesus was the hero of all heroes, that he is the toughest of the tough of what he did for us, it's unimaginable what he endured to save us. And Jesus fasted 40 days. I mean, that is incredible. I, don't, I didn't appreciate that to the level I do now until I fasted for five days. Jesus was tough, but Jesus knew that he needed alone time with God. To live out the mission that God had for him, he had to go into the solitude and spend that time with the Lord. This is humility when we know we need that time with God. And Jesus knew that. The toughest of all men's. The enemy's going to tell you when you, when, you, when you do this that you're wasting your time. He's going to tell you that you're being unproductive, that you're being even irresponsible. The enemy will fight against you. Things will come up. You didn't expect to kind of interfere with that time. Question number four. What often happens when we attempt to meet with God in the solitude we're going to go back to Henry Nouwen in this. You can reference this quote in your program. He says, as soon as we are alone, an inner chaos opens up in us. This chaos can be so disturbing and so confusing that we can hardly wait to get busy again. Have you felt that? Entering a private room and shutting the door, therefore, does not mean then we immediately shut out the inner doubts, anxieties, fears, bad memories, unresolved conflicts, angry feelings, and impulsive desires. On the contrary, when we have removed our outer distractions, we often find that our inner distractions manifest themselves to us in full force. We need to shut out the external chaos so God can deal with the internal chaos, right? The, the chaos within. And it takes me sometimes a long time to get there. Like, I'll, I'll shut my door, I'll put my phone away, and my mind will just be racing. And I just want to be still. Sometimes it takes putting on some praise music or just shutting the world out so that I can be with the Lord, so I can hear him, so I can feel his presence in my life. 
And when I go there, he comes and he speaks identity into me. And he speaks life into me. And he speaks truth into me. And I don't even realize some of the burdens that I've been carrying, you know, because I'm trying to cast all my cares on him and I'm trying to pray about everything as I go about my day. But that's usually just the surface things. I don't even understand the things that I'm carrying deep down until I'm with him in the quiet and he gives me direction. Oh, Lord, what do I, how do I respond to this? Okay, he, he meets me and he fills me up. So why don't we do that if it's so great, which it is, why don't we spend that kind of time with the Lord? And I'd like to suggest that it's hard. It's hard. Because when we do that, we're confronted with our own loneliness. We're confronted with our lack of control and our confusion in, in this world, right? And sometimes it's, it's harder to confront it than it is to just distract ourselves from it. So that Henry Nouwen has a quote about this too. And it's going to be up here on the, on the slide. Sometimes it seems if we do everything possible to avoid the painful confrontation with our basic human loneliness and allow ourselves to be trapped by false gods promising immediate satisfaction and quick relief. Going to the true, real God is harder than going to false gods, right? So what are some of the false gods? Our phones, social media, gaming, shopping, food, alcohol, drugs, porn, etc. Whatever we go to instead of the Lord to comfort ourselves, to distract us from this world, it's all counterfeit. That peace might come temporarily, right? But it's not long term. It's not the real peace that, that the Holy Spirit can give us. I mean, and some of these things aren't wrong necessarily in themselves. Like, I need to eat, so food. But if I'm going to it to comfort myself, or for any other reason, it's a false god. And as I was praying yesterday, preparing for this, and in my quiet time, um, I felt the Lord saying to me, heroes don't escape. Heroes don't escape. We all want to be heroic, Right? We all want to be heroes. We all want to make a difference in this world. But a hero doesn't run away from the conflict or the, the hard. A hero goes in. Jesus could have escaped, right? He could have called angel armies to come rescue him off the cross. But our hero, the hero of all heroes, stayed he stayed in the hard. If we're high, if we're, if we're drinking too much, if we're doing all these other things, it's destructive. And we're not, we're not in the battle. We're not in the battle. We're leaving ourselves and we're leaving all the people around us vulnerable. We need to go to the Lord to get that strength to live this life. It is impossible to live this life in any way without him that glorifies him, that makes any kind of real difference. 
not the false gods. It's all counterfeit. So we're all busy, right? We need to make time for God. And this is what Henry Nouwen has to say, and I'm just going to read this. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with and listen to God. We may have to write it in black and white in our daily calendar so that nobody else can take away this period of time. Then we will be able to say, I'm sorry, but I've already made an appointment at that time and it can't be changed. We do that with other things that are important to us, right? We put appointments in our calendar. We need to do that with the Lord and make him the priority of our lives. And if we do that, he'll come and he'll be bigger, better, and greater than we can ever even imagine. So question number five. We've talked a lot about how to pray. How do we love? So this is a parable, the parable of the buckets. So when I'm spending time with God in the solitude and he's filling me up with life and identity and love and all of that, um, he fills my bucket with living water. And in the overflow of that, I can pour living water into other people. That's how I love. But we all have a Jesus-sized hole in our bucket, right? That only he can fill. So have you ever been pouring and pouring and pouring into someone and it's never enough? It's never enough. I cannot complete anyone else. I can't. Only God can do that. So this is how I love my neighbor well. I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and I love my neighbor as myself. And this is our last quote from Henry, and you can read it, reference it in your program. If we accept our aloneness as a gift from God and convert it into deep solitude, then out of that solitude we can reach out to other people. We can come together in community because we don't cling together out of loneliness. We don't use or manipulate one another. If I find God in my solitude and you find God in your solitude, then the same God calls us together and we can become friends, we can form a community, we can sustain a marriage, we can be together without destroying each other by clinging to each other. This is what healthy looks like. This is what a healthy relationship looks like. I go to the Lord in my solitude. He fills me with living water. You go to the Lord in your solitude. He fills you with living water. And then we come together and we're healthy and we can pour into each other out of the excess. So what does this love look like? And this is a passage you all know. But 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, this is what love looks like in action. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That list is pretty overwhelming, isn't it? 
I'd say, impossible to live out. I mean, take the first one in itself. Love is patient. Okay, I'm determined to be patient with my kids today. I'm going to, today, I'm going to be patient. And then how far does that get you, that sheer determination? I mean, I had five kids, like, eh, this far? Four boys, need I say more? It's like, I cannot live this out in my own power in any way. And what occurred to me is that Galatians 5:22 through 23, which is the fruit of the Spirit passage, is very, very similar to this love passage. And so I have them, I'm putting up, up here on the slides comparatively so you can see the words, a lot of the words are exactly the same. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. And it says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. I have no ability within myself to live out love. I can't do it. God has to do it through me. Which again comes to the solitude. The Holy Spirit comes, he fills me up, and love is a fruit of that of that. So how does the love chapter end? 1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So for now, I see in a mirror dimly. I want to see face to face, but I can only see in a mirror dimly. So question number six, can the mirror become less dim? And I want to finish the story of, of my day in Garden of the Gods because I went away sad and I went home and went about my business, and later that day, I went to the mailbox and got out, you know, the stack of bills and junk mail and was sifting through it, and lo and behold, in it, there's a letter from Jennifer. And this letter had traveled from Africa to our old house in Omaha to my parents' house for some reason, and landed in our mailbox that very day. And as I stood there in complete astonishment, I felt the presence of the Lord all around me, and I felt him say to me, so you think I can't answer you like a real friend would? And his laughter was just all around me. Even though I can't touch him, even though I can't see him, even though I can't audibly hear him, what he told me was, there's more to me, of me to be had. There's more of me to be had in this world if I just keep pressing in. And the, the track you're on, the way that you were talking to me, the way you were pressing in to make me your best friend, you're on the right track. Keep going. There's more to, of me to be had. 
Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.